Welcome to the Unnamed Adventures Podcast. We're taking a step back in history. We're doing a five-part series where each episode is recording We Did Well in Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia. This is part one of five. Episode 21, Colonial Williamsburg, the famous Barber of York. Caesar Hope was a celebrated figure who served the most notable gentlemen of the time. We stopped into his shop and learned about his life of slavery, freedom, and enterprise. Very well. How about you? I'm excited. You know why? Why? Because I have a viable client here. <laughs> and what is your name, sir? Jake. Jake, is that short for something? Jacob. Jacob. Oh, that's a biblical name. Yeah. Well, Jacob, why don't you take your bag off and have a seat? <laughs> what does your shirt say? Movement is medicine. Oh, so you like a lot of movement. You don't believe in modern science. Uh, a little hybrid. Oh, what does that mean? Uh, a little bit of natural and modern science. Ah, so you don't have any trouble going to a physician or a surgeon? That's correct. But you have trouble going to a barber. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, costs money. Everything costs money. Yeah? Yes. And I'd rather do it myself, so I'm just letting it go natural. It looks like you're doing a poor job at doing it. <laughs> I am. Where are you from? Uh, South Dakota. Where is that, sir? That is out west. On the other side of the Ohio River. Oh, yes. So, uh, dangerous territory. Oh, very dangerous. I understand now why you don't have a shave. <laughs> I shall at least introduce myself. I'm John Hope, though most folks around here know me as Caesar or Barbara Caesar. John will do. No need to call me Mr. Hope. I don't consider myself to be a formal man. I prefer the informalities. Now, my clientele, those are formal men, politicians, military generals, merchants. Uh, I've even had students from the College of William Mary come for my services. And what do you do in particular, sir? I am in sales. Sales? And so you're marketing. A, a merchant? Yes. Oh, excellent. What do you sell? Uh, whatever people need. Oh, that doesn't sound... Uh, I don't know how that sounds, a bit uh, <laughs> ominous. Yes. Of course. Now, do you know how often my clients come in for a shave within a week here? No. You want to take a guess? Anybody wants to take a guess? Three times? Three every day? If they came every day, I'd be a wealthy man. <laughs> yes, sir. Six or seven? I wish. They come in twice a week for my services because they have manservants at home. Does anyone know what a manservant is? A slave. You're right, a slave. A slave that tends to a master's daily needs. So that would consist of shaving, dressing them, bathing them, tending to any errands that they, they may have. Now, my clients come here because this is a luxury to have a shave done by a barber. A professional. They see my establishment as a place where they can come to socialize with one another, show off their wealth, relax. Some men say it's one of the only places where they're able to escape away from their wife and children. <laughs> I say if they're trying to do that, they should come more than twice a week, perhaps six days a week. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree, sir? Very much. <laughs> so I, I see you're a married man. Yes. How long? 
uh, nine months. Oh, wow. relatively new. Congratulations. <laughs> so I take it no children. No children. Not yet. Not yet. Two dogs. <laughs> Two dogs. Are they a hassle? Uh, at times. <laughs> Depends what they get into. Well, wait until you have children. <laughs> then you won't know what sleep is. That's when you should go without a shave. <laughs> now, my clients only come twice a week because they say that they have an issue with how much I charge. I charge nine pence for a shave. I think that is reasonable. But they say because we're in the middle of a war, we have inflation, that I should take some time to consider decreasing my prices. And I tell these men, sir, I have given it some thought. I've even looked over my finances. And I'll continue to look over my finances and think about lowering my prices. I'll let you know in a secret. I've never thought about lowering my prices. <laughs> Why should I? I? I was known as the famous barber of York. My work is impeccable. See, some barbers place emphasis on having a steady hand. Obviously, you want a barber with a steady hand, not a shaky hand. <laughs> Unless you want a barber with a shaky hand. Yeah. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> some say that it's about having the finest razors possible. The steel forged in Sheffield, England. The, the scale made out of ivory or animal bone. This is animal bone here. Or finding the fanciest soaps. But I don't place emphasis on any of that. Do you know what I place emphasis on, sir? What my secret is to his trade? That's you. No, I wish. <laughs> but thank you for that compliment. It's something that's needed in a friendship and marriage. What do you think that is? Communication. Trust. Trust. <laughs> so whoever said trust is right. Communication is key though, ma'am. Trust, because I'm holding a razor to a man's face. At one point, I'm holding it to his throat. So he has to be able to trust me. Not every man has a barber, as I said, or a manservant. Some men may not have a mirror, so you know who shaves them then? Their wives. That's a courageous man. <laughs> Would you let your wife shave you? Yes. <laughs> not a wise man. <laughs> courageous, but not wise. But how do I earn a man's trust? What is it that I do to earn that? Because some of these men are those that are visiting. They're strangers. I don't know who's from Adam. But I learned at an early age what to do from Shakespeare's Hamlet. See, in Hamlet, Hamlet says to Ophelia, the guy has given you one face and you make yourself another. I make myself another face for my clients. You see? I ask them questions as I did earlier. I take this investment in their life. Then they become comfortable. They think that we're familiar. Also, I say what they want to hear. They have something to complain about. I worship the ground that they walk on. Then they open up to me. They're not only bearing their throat, they're bearing their soul to me, sir. They tell me information, politics, military intelligence, family secrets, as if I am their friend or confidant. In that moment, I feel like I am their friend or their confidant, but I am no friend or confidant to these men because you know what friendship includes? Equality between two alike individuals. And I'm not alike with these men, and I do not have equality with these men. The conversations that we have, they can be fun, intellectual. For instance, I go up to Yorktown about once or, or twice a month to shave a man by the name of Mr. Hugh Nelson. I even shave his father, Thomas Nelson. I've been shaving Thomas since I was a boy, 12 years old. Hugh, I've been shaving him since he grew his first chin hairs. Now, when I received my freedom, Hugh came down here personally and asked me, now, would I be willing to go up to Yorktown to work on him? And I said, well, sir, 
I would be willing to do so, but it's a long journey. It's 13 miles, it's three hours by foot. I would need something in exchange because who has something that I want? He owns my son and he wants to share it by me. So we had a negotiation. One would call it an arrangement. If I shave him, I get at least an hour with Aberdeen. But a few weeks back, we were having a conversation about family, a very good one. And then he mentions my son. He mentions to me that if I was interested in purchasing Aberdeen, I could for 50 pounds sterling if I could come up with the money within a year's time. I've never been so infuriated and joyful at the same time in my entire life. Interested in purchasing my own son as if he's a piece of property or commodity. He's my flesh and blood. I think it's ridiculous that I have to purchase my son in the first place. And for 50 pounds sterling when he knows that I make about 25 pounds a year, he knows it's impossible. So how am I going to come up with that 50 pounds sterling within a year's time? Is he just doing this because he's trying to be generous? He has no need for my son, he says, because my son's going to be a manservant. He already has a manservant. Aberdeen is six years old, no skill set or position. He shouldn't be worth 50 pounds, but with inflation and Mr. Nelson's need for money, greed is what one would call it, I have to acquire it. This kept me up late at night thinking, because I will do anything for him. My boy deserves to live his life free, to be happy, to be with me. And I know how to come up with money. But it's not, it's not something I've ever imagined for myself in many years. Or imagined to have to do within my freedom, which is to hold a slave. It's not owning a slave. I have men who have asked me if I would be willing to train slaves as barbers. Or help improve their management <coughs> skills in, in barbering. They would pay me good money. When I do this, I'm responsible for that boy. I'm taking him away from his own loved one, his own family. I'm responsible for his food, clothing, lodging. I can't help but think, what if he runs away? Then I have to take the aversive now in the paper. I have to repay the owner the value for losing that said slave. Because he belongs to someone. Further, one person's enslavement for another's freedom. The only reason I'm doing that is because that one person's freedom matters to me. And it's not like that boy's freedom doesn't matter to someone else. Because he does matter. He has a mother and a father who loves him very much. So this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that I have to seize on. If I don't do this, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. And I could fail. It's not a guarantee that my son is going to be free. Because that's up to the House of Delegates. And... If he's not free, he's my property for the rest of my life. My own child. So if something happens to me, then he's going to be sold off. And it could be to someone worse. Worse than Mr. Nelson. So I have to do it. So enough of my queries. I can go on all day. I have to get the gab and I don't mean to burden you with my own uh, troubles. You didn't come here for that. I don't know what you ladies came here for. Usually when a lady comes here, it's because she's looking for her husband or trying to find a husband. Uh, I think some of you came here to see this gentleman have a shave. 
I will if he has nine pence. <laughs> you have nine pence, sir. You got five bucks. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Could I see? Somewhere in here. Somewhere, is it lost? Could be. Well, hopefully you didn't lose your money. Well, that's nice. Well, that's paper money. I don't even know who this strange man is. <laughs> Couple also, years, you'll figure this it out. This won't work unless you're willing to pay my taxes, possibly. <laughs> I mean, the courthouse takes paper money for taxes. I take coin and silver. Unfortunately, you can't have a shave. Oh. Yes, you have to go back to your Dakota something. <laughs> looking like this. It's accepted out there. Yeah. <laughs> Your wife married you, obviously. <laughs> so she doesn't even care either way. <laughs> but it was nice meeting you, Jacob. Oh, pleasure. Yes. Thank you so much. Is there any questions you have for me? Anything you would like to know? Please don't be shy. Yes, ma'am. Do you offer surgeon services as well, or to uh, shave? Oh, no, you don't want to do any of that. We haven't had barber surgeons since 1746. I do not practice dentistry or blood bleeding. I can try, but I'm not sure if you will live. Let's <laughs> see, the goal is to make sure the client lives because then I get paid. You want to go to the surgeon or the physician down there at the apothecary. I heard they have a really good success rate. Where, do, where did women get their hair from? Women would have family members do that for them if they were middling. Then if you were gentry, a lady, you would say, you would have your slave do that. If you were wearing a wig, you would have the wig makers tend to your heads for that. How did you get your start being a barber? I was a slave uh, being trained as a manservant. I was 10 years old. I had just been brought over from Africa and I had no understanding of the language or the culture, both knobs at the same time, ma'am. You're welcome. No understanding of the language or the culture. However, a man said it was training me in this trade. Uh, he was training me so I could be given a number of skills and I happened to have to learn how to shave. I practiced on that man's face for an entire year. The first few months were rough, obviously. But our owner was a businessman who owned a wig shop and he felt that it was best for me to be a barber to replace the barber that he had who ran away. How did you get your freedom? Uh, I earned my freedom through a process called manumission. It's the legal process of freeing a slave here in Virginia. My last owner, Miss Susanna Rydell, drew up this petition for my freedom to the House of uh, Delegates. They review these petitions for meritorious service. She wrote that I had conducted myself in this manner of honesty, sobriety, and industry throughout my years of enslavement. I was an influence on others, whites and Negroes, and therefore I deserve to live the remainder of my life as free. The clients that I serve signed it along with other influential men, and then the house said that I did have meritorious service and deemed that I deserve to live the rest of my life as a free man. It is a long process for some. For me, it was short, but it's rare as well. I was one of three slaves to be freed in about 15 years. You had a question, ma'am, and I'll get to yours. Um, were you successful in um, acquiring your son now? I'm no soothsayer. I cannot see into the future. I wish I could. I'm an ambitious man. Where there's a will, there's a way, and I always find a way. 
When I put my mind to something, I get it. Yes, ma'am. What is that? This is soap. So I use soap here. You're welcome to hold it as a shaving cream to place on the face before I shave them. So you have to pour water on it, agitate it, either using your hand or a brush. And the brush bristles are either made from otter hair, badger, or boar. Now we know of a hairbrush usually being made out of boar's hair, but some shaving brushes can be too. It's gonna to be stiff, uh, but it, can, it will get softer when there's water to it, uh, as I have more here. Or you can use your hands to apply it on there, as most men use their hands. Not everyone has a brush. It's a French instrument. Now, do you own the shop? I do not own the shop. I'm renting out the shop now. Okay. When you get paid, where do you keep your money? Well, sir, I would not tell you that. A <laughs> <laughs> good try. <laughs> I keep it in a safe place. <laughs> For me to know. There's no banks. No banks. England has the banks as they control the amount of money that we get here. Our society runs on credit, uh, so most men have accrued debts. Any other questions? You had one back there, so I believe? Do, do, do you have a brush to show? I do not. Uh, both of my brushes wore down, uh, so I have to get them replaced. Uh, yes, ma'am? Do you serve people uh, ale or any drink while they're here? Of course I do, early in the morning. How else do you think I get them to talk? <laughs> Do you ever get asked to pass on intelligence? Oh. Yes, I do. All and the how time. much does it cost? Uh, come back later and I will tell you. <laughs> it depends on what you want to know. Good if you like what you've heard, please share our podcast with your friends and family, wherever and however you listen to your podcast. Feel free to subscribe to our channel and write us a review too. You can submit questions that you want answered through our website at www.unnamedadventures.com backslash podcast or catch us on all social media platforms.